Welcome to episode 54 of the Running on Ohm podcast with Laura Jimison, professional runner for the Mammoth Track Club. Lauren attended Asua Pacific University, where she graduated as an 11-time All-American, five-time individual national champion in the 5K and 10K, and three-time national champion. Lauren is now running professionally for the Mammoth Track Club and has had a successful first marathon with a fourth-place finish at the Grammons Marathon in Duluth. Before we jump into the interview with Lauren, I would like to express my gratitude to all those who have supported Running on Ohm this past year. The podcast is almost at its one-year anniversary and needs your help to continue growing and reaching more listeners. If you're listening right now, please be sure to like us on Facebook and consider leaving a review on iTunes. I'm really open to feedback or questions, and I encourage you to leave your comments on our Facebook page. Let's jump into the show. In this episode, Lauren discusses her running background, her relationship to her faith, and what day-to-day life is like for a professional runner. Her journey starting her high school's cross-country running program, all the details on her recent fourth-place finish at the Grandma's Marathon in a time of 2 hours 35 minutes, hitting the Olympic A standard, the relationship between God and her running and racing, a recap of her most mentally challenging race, and how she navigates the ups and downs of distance running, lessons she has learned from her time with the Mammoth Track Club, the inside scoop on Lauren's nutrition and how it has changed since moving to Altitude and Mammoth Lakes, California, what a typical day looks like for Lauren as a professional runner, upcoming races and goals in the near and far future, All this and more on this episode of the Running on Ohm podcast. Welcome, Lauren, to the Running on Ohm podcast. Thanks so much. Thank you for having me. So when did running first enter your life? When did you first lace up your shoes? I first started running when I was in middle school. When I was 12, I had been a soccer player, and going into middle school, all of my group of friends joined the cheer team, and I didn't want to be a cheerleader, and I liked running the mile in PE and found that I was pretty good at it, and my PE teacher encouraged me to go out for track that year, and so that was kind of the first year that I started running was the mile in track and field. That's awesome. And did you continue running consistently throughout middle school, high school, obviously college? Was there ever any breaks? No, there weren't any ever any breaks. I really just grew to love and enjoy it. I went to a small Christian school and We had a track and field program, but we didn't have a cross-country program. And so I ran track and field kind of from, you know, sixth grade to eighth grade. And I had a uh, super encouraging coach, and she told me if I kept running that I could be on scholarship to college, which I thought was crazy because I had just started running. But that kind of fueled me. And Going into high school, I helped start our cross-country program since we didn't have one, and just really um, 
love distance running. I didn't know much about it except that it was running more. And so some coaches kind of, you know, came behind me and told me that if I put some people together that we could have a team. And so that's kind of how cross country started at my high school. And now it's a full-fledged program, which is really cool um, to hear about. But, yeah, I going into high school after my freshman year, I went to a my first running camp in Mammoth Lakes, where I now live and train. And it was the first time I got to meet other, like, college runners which was really intimidating and also exciting. And I just kind of went to the camp and took all the information I could from talking to college runners, to coaches, to figuring out what it would look like to run in college, which I hadn't really thought about. And I remember being in the car and my mom had dropped me off at Reno. That's where I was picked up. And I, I'm only actually four hours away from Mammoth, but we met at the Reno airport and I remember being in the car and one of the college girls asking me what kind of mileage I ran a week. And I was so embarrassed because I didn't know what mileage meant. And I had to, like, I kind of looked to another person by me and I was like, what's mileage? Like, I didn't even understand. And I kind of made up a number. And and then at the camp, for the first time, I got to kind of combine my my faith and my running because it was a Christian running camp and it helped to give me a good perspective on on what it looked like um for my faith to really be a part of my running and so um that was kind of a big start to my my love of running was going to that camp and and being up here in Mammoth so and I know you now live in Mammoth but did you return to that camp at all any other years? I returned to the camp the year after, too, and um, I'm really, I love and enjoy it. And um, it's crazy because I got to hear people like Ryan and Sarah Hall speak and Josh Cox, and they're now some of my really good friends, and um, which I never, you know, really expected that I would be back here. But, um going to Azusa Pacific University where I went to college. We did our training camp here every year. So with the exception of um, last year when I I worked my first year out of college and didn't come to Mammoth, um, but with the exception of that, I think this is my eighth summer here. So I've spent um, a lot of summers in Mammoth, and which is – the prettiest time of year here so I've survived the winter but <laughs> a lot of summers here. So for listeners who don't really know what Mammoth is or what makes it so special can you describe a little bit about what it is and what kind of living at high altitude means? Yeah Mammoth is a small uh, ski resort town so a lot of people come here to vacation there's a lot of vacation homes um there it's kind of you know a town filled of travelers there aren't a whole lot of local people there are and you get to know them pretty quickly but there's also a lot of people that own vacation homes here and just come here during the winter either to ski and snowboard on the mountain 
um, which is really gorgeous, or they come here during the summer um, to fish and hike and camp. And it's during the summer, it's usually filled with lots of runners and running camps. So depending on the time of the year, kind of depends on the you know the people that actually are here visiting. So there's lots of beautiful running trails and trees and bears that we see pretty often that like to hang out around trash cans and um so it's just it's super pretty and running altitude is something that I really enjoy which was one of the reasons I um, decided to come to Mammoth and it's just a really pretty town so there isn't a run that I that I don't enjoy or that I'm not appreciating you know the beauty around me so um, I couldn't think of a better place to train, especially for the marathon. Yeah, well, you had a really successful first marathon debut at Grandma's Marathon where you hit the A qualifying standard um, in 2.35, is that correct? Yeah. Um, yeah. Placing fourth. So what was your winter training like in Mammoth? How did you survive <laughs> all the snow and the harsh conditions to end up running a really successful June marathon? Well, one of the things that we, um, you know, that we say in Mammoth is, if anything, it, it makes you really tough. And this winter, we had a very mild winter, so I haven't been in a crazy snowstorm or anything like that. But um, one of the most ideal things about Mammoth is in town where – a little over 7,000 feet, but within a matter of about 30 minutes driving down to Bishop, we're at under 5,000 feet and totally out of the snow. And so because of that, when it's snowing and when it's the winter season, practices usually go longer. We meet every morning. Um, and when it's winter, we drive down to Bishop to get in workouts and runs. So very rarely are we on treadmills, like um, people that train in Colorado or other high-altitude training destinations. Mammoth is very unique to where we can get out of, out of the snow when we need to, and that um, makes it a very kind of special training location. And it's very conducive to us as runners because we can live and sleep and do second runs um, at pretty high elevation, but when we need to drive down, it's a very easy drive to get out of the snow. So we feel pretty fortunate um, to just be able to have that, you know, year-round. Yeah, that sounds pretty incredible. Now take me a little bit to Grandma's Marathon and talk to me about your experience running those 26.2 miles at a blazing pace. What was the actual experience like? And it being your first marathon, what kind of expectations or advice had you been given and what proved to be true or did it? Yeah, um, so I kind of gave it a lot of thought on what I wanted my debut marathon to be. And like I kind of wrote about in my blog, it's always been a goal of mine that I would um, only run a marathon when I could race a marathon at race pace. and. That was really important to me even when I was younger. I really wanted to be able to conquer the distance first before I, you know, did it just for fun. And so um, I kind of, you know, looked at 
marathon options and I am, you know, not only motivated by my faith, but just kind of my personality. I'm, I like to, you know, be focused. And so I didn't want a marathon that was going to be too overwhelming. Um, I wanted there to be good camaraderie and also a good elite women's field, but I didn't need it to be, I didn't need the whole course to be lined with people or to be overwhelming. So grandma's marathon was a perfect fit for me. It also was a little bit later into the summer, which gave me time to prepare. Um, the marathon marked a full year of being in Mammoth, and so to me it was kind of a celebration of, of the year that I've had here. And I have never raced anything over a 25K, but I um, raced the um, fifth third 25K in Grand Rapids last year, and then I did it again this year, and that really gave me confidence of my fitness and of being able to, you know, run the distance of the marathon, and I had a good friend, Brian Nelson, who trains in Colorado, that raced the 25K with me and also was going to race grandma's, and so having her there was um, like having a teammate with me. Um, we really worked together through about 23 miles of the marathon. So that was really great to have. And I think just um, listening to my coach, Andrew Castor, telling me, you know, to run between 545 and 555 for the first 16 miles, and then after that, you know, to do whatever my body was going to let me do. And so – I really knew going into the race that I was not going to take any chances on, you know, competing. I just wanted to run the distance and, and run the qualifier. So, um, I mean, it was it was pretty much kind of what I expected it to be. It was really foggy and misty, and Duluth, Minnesota is like that. So I couldn't see kind of any of the, you know, running the tangents, but – Brian and I had a couple men that decided they were going to help us out through about mile 20. So that was really nice, um, kind of having a group to be with for the majority of the race. And, um, yeah, we the fluid situation was a little bit tricky, and um, I didn't get all, all of my bottles, but I think um, I made a smart decision in deciding to take the fluids they were offering in the race and um, if it took out a little bit of time, which it did, to, you know, get fluids and all that, I decided that would be better than, than not having any fluids at all. So Totally, it, totally. Yeah, so it went well. It was it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like you had a really smart, smooth race. Um, you do have a blog post where you talk about God at the end of the last half mile of the marathon. Talk yeah, a little, a little bit more about what, how your faith kept you focused during the race and your relationship with God in your running. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, my faith in my running really can't be separated. It's, um, you know, it's, it's the reason why I run. And I think, um, you know, deciding to run full time, um, it, there were a lot of decisions and, and prayer and thought that went into it, but 
I majored in sports ministry at APU, and um, and so I just, you know, kind of thought even about the gifts that God has given me or the talents that he's given me um, to use for him and um, and to bless others. And so if I look at kind of how, you know, God has worked through me, it's really, you know, been through how I can share my faith with running. And, um, you know, a lot of times when I'm running, it's, you know, a time of prayer and a time of just, communication with with God and so um I think it, I guess my faith really has been um a huge part of my running because even when I'm not completely confident in myself um to know that I have like the, the creator of the universe you know behind me or um by my side always gives me confidence and so Going into the marathon, I just said, you know, God, I I am totally going to trust that you're going to give me everything I need to finish this race. And when it hurts really bad, I am going to focus on you, and I'm going to put you at the forefront of my mind. And, um, and I was so reminded of, you know, just his presence, even the race morning when my Garmin wasn't working for some reason and I haven't had my Garmin very long and I'm not used to it so I didn't really know what to do and I restarted it and once I got it restarted it said that it was on zero percent battery life and I thought well that's kind of a bummer and um thankfully Brianne brought another watch with her so I put that on too and I said, okay, God, this is such a silly pro request, but if you could just keep my my Garmin alive <laughs> for the race, even for the first few miles, like I just want to know when I'm running. And um, mile after mile is my my Garmin, you know, clicked um, or beeped, I guess. I was reminded that um, God was going to give me strength and that um, it was going to be a good day. And it, my Garmin made it through the entire marathon and that race morning on zero percent battery life, and um, it was such a reminder to me of even when I feel completely empty, he he can fill me up. And so um, I was actually really blessed by my Garmin, and um, it was kind of a unique a unique thing of God using using that to speak to me, and so. Um, yeah, so that was actually kind of cool in hindsight that it lasted the whole time. Yeah, that is a pretty amazing story of kind of the presence of God in your life, and especially on race day. What would you, yeah. what would you consider to be the most mentally challenging race you've ever had? Was it grandma's or was it another marathon in college? And how did you persevere through that? Man, I'm trying to think. I mean, I've had some races where in college where I maybe um, didn't feel great or, you know, had to kind of test it through on my own because I didn't um, always have people to compete in races because uh, we were in NAIA when I was in college and not NCAA, so it wasn't always super competitive. But I think maybe um, – 
the most challenging thing for me, not even just races, but my first year out of college, I worked as a resident director at a Christian college back home. And so I asked my college coach to continue to coach me, but I went to races and competed in the elite field, um, not feeling 100% ready all the time. And that was the first time I think I've ever really struggled with my own um, confidence and my fitness. Um, and and even just comparing myself to other people, which um, I never really did in college. And so it was really just challenging for me um, to rely on God to give me strength and that um, that he was going to help me through it. And so one of the most challenging races even was um, the 15K that I raced in Jacksonville, Florida, and I had been sick leading up the week before, and then I got in at 9 p.m. the night before the race, hadn't seen the course. It was really hot and humid the next day, and um, and I ran a really terrible race. I mean, I just felt pretty awful the whole time. I couldn't stick with the elite field for even the first mile, and I just remember not feeling completely defeated, but, like, so unprepared in the race. And that it was only, like, magnified by the fact that I couldn't I couldn't keep with the front group for the first mile. Um, but I think, you know, in distance running, there's up and downs all the time. And, and that in kind of, like, life. And so there's, like, a really kind of, I don't know, unique or, or beautiful part of, of distance running that you're not always going to have the best day, and and that's okay. That's life. And so, um, you know, it's been really cool now to look back and see, you know, how far I've come and how far my fitness has come since I joined A6 Mammoth Track Club. So let's talk kind of about cool. that. Yeah. Let's talk about that. How did you know you wanted to become a professional runner, and what was that transition like? I mean, you talked about it was challenging at that 15K race to see that elite field out in front, not be able to keep up with them, and now you are in that elite field. What happened? Yeah. Um, I think just, you know, I've always been pretty, you know, focused and motivated, but coming and joining the group and being in um, a very conducive environment for training has been huge. And um, everything from from the kind of mileage I run to I've always been, sleep has always been important, but recently teaching myself how to nap, which I've never done in my life. And so, um, you know, making sure that I'm resting enough, which, for someone like me that likes to keep busy all the time, it it takes almost more focus to tell myself to rest or to slow down. And um, that's been kind of a unique lesson to learn, but learning how to rest more. And nutrition has always been important, but even fine-tuning nutrition, I started eating red meat when I moved to Mammoth just because it's so important for for female runners to take in enough iron, but um, getting it from an actual animal is is also very important because that can't be replaced. And so, you know, starting to eat red meat 
And, yeah, and then just honestly, you know, being a mammoth, we do the same thing day in and day out. And sometimes it can get a little bit boring or you can feel like you're, you know, in deja vu every day. But doing the same thing every day, especially in marathon training, is what breeds success, is having a an injury, you know, healthy, injury-free and healthy season of blocks of training, of putting in lots of mileage and getting in solid workouts. And so um, having a full year of really staying focused and, and doing that every day and having a training group is has been huge. I realized how much I missed my college team uh, when I graduated, and not just because I loved my college team and my coach, but because that support is huge. Even when you go to compete at races, even when I don't have Andrew there or my teammates, there's a support system that I can feel, you know, people know I'm racing, and that has played a huge part into being able to do things, too, just having the support here has been great. So. Another thing, too, has been having um, my massage therapist, Michelle, uh, giving massage every single week has been very helpful and has kept me injury-free, so that's been good. Yeah, that sounds like an amazing setup you have to really pursue professional running full-fledged. As far as your teammates, I know there's some, also some big names on your team. When you have the morning practice, do you run with people in the mornings? Do you do your workouts with people, especially if you train for the Chicago Marathon in the fall? Are you going to be doing a lot of your training with your teammates? How does that work? Yeah, you know, uh, Andrew is very big on, you know, having a team environment. So the men on our team live together, the women live together with the exception of Andrew and Dina Castor, who obviously live together in their own house. But um, our team, you know, does a lot of things together. Even outside of running, we have barbecues and things like that. Um, the, the team is very close-knit and like a family. And when it comes to training, we we train together every single morning. We meet seven days a week. It never changes. And we also lift a couple times a week. And then usually our second runs are done on our own, but sometimes we meet up or run together. And um, as far as workouts go, um, you know, all of us train and start together. Sometimes people are at different paces or, you know, have a little bit of a, you know, maybe more mile repeats than someone else. But Lauren Kleppen, um, my teammate, and I get to do a lot of training together and, um, and also Dina Castor, and um, and so that's been really great to have you know people to run with all the time, and but just having the team camaraderie. We have we have people in town even that aren't necessarily on the Aces Mam Chocolate team, but sometimes they'll come and join us, and and it's fun to have kind of you know a great a great training environment and. Just to be encouraging each other in between reps or during tempo runs. And we have um, just the fat boy, his wife, Shannon, really does an awesome job of helping out the team. And she's on the board board for Mammoth Chat Club. 
um, as well as a couple of interns that we have here this summer. So there isn't a long run or a workout where we're not being supplied with fluids or having someone ride next to us on a bike or help with pacing. And so that support is huge when, you know, we have really big workouts that we're doing it with people. Yeah, that sounds like you have an amazing support system and community. What a blessing. What yeah. is the workout that you are most excited for, most nervous for in your buildup for Chicago? What's your hardest workout? <laughs> oh, man. I mean, I always say that just being able to put in a lot of mileage is, is what gives me um, kind of the most confidence in in longer races. But I really love long tempo runs, 10-mile tempo runs at, you know, a higher elevation out on Green Church Road, which is kind of a famous tempo road now. People have been tempoing there for a long time. And so um, doing long tempo runs is something I look forward to and I get nervous for. I mean, like, excited, too. But also good long runs. I, to do, you know, 20 to 24-mile long runs, just gives me confidence that um, I can I can do that length in a race. And so getting in quality longer work is what helps kind of build my confidence. I think going into Grandma's Marathon, I was really um, excited and knew I was fit when I had a 110-mile week and then I took a day off and then um, ran easy, and then the next day came back and did mile repeats at 7,000 feet and um, and ran the fastest mile repeats I had ever run in Shady after the biggest Shady rest is where we do a lot of, like, mile repeats and stuff. Um, but, yeah, ran ran the fastest mile repeats I had run after the biggest week I had had, and that gave me confidence of my fitness, even though it was just speed. I was excited that my body was recovering and fine-tuning itself and and knowing that, you know, soon I was going to get to taper. And so that was kind of also an exciting workout to feel like I still have some turnover in speed, even during marathon training. So that's awesome. Now, one of your other loves, other than running and other than your face, is coffee. Yes. When when did you take your first sip of coffee, and how many times a day do you drink? How do you fit it in with your training? <laughs> it's funny. I've always – my whole family really enjoys coffee. It's um, it's a whole family love affair. But my brother works at a coffee shop, and I worked with coffee for many years, and my parents both love and drink coffee. So I always drink coffee first thing in the morning, whether it's going to a local coffee shop or making a pour-over or French press. I also brew cold brew coffee, which is um, coffee made without any heat. And because it's made without any heat, it really um, almost lessens and takes away the acidity, so it's easier um, to handle, you know, on my stomach. But since I've moved to altitude, I don't drink caffeine typically in the afternoon anymore like I used to because being at altitude is kind of makes you hypersensitive to a lot of things. And so when I first moved here, I was drinking cold brew and coffee whenever I wanted all day long. And when I started to have problems and not sleeping through the night, I decided I needed to cut out 
having caffeine or at least lessen it by a lot in the afternoon. And so that's kind of helped. Usually I drink coffee as much as I want in the morning, but afternoon I try to drink decaf or, you know, stay away from it completely. And I love coconut water too, so, you know, trying to drink more of that in water instead of sipping on black iced coffee that's going to keep me up all night long. <laughs> so today we're talking around morning time, and then did you have your long run today? And then what is ahead of you this afternoon? I almost want to try to understand what's the day in the life like for Lauren. <laughs> well, today's an unusual day because I am just coming off of my marathon break, and I have today off. So I haven't ran, ran a step this morning. I actually helped at a summer camp with breakfast prep. Um, but typically a long run. Now, since it's warmer, uh, we're starting earlier at 730 and usually my coach will map out, you know, kind of where we're going to run, who has what, so everyone knows at the beginning. Um, and, you know, we get fluids every three miles. And so after everyone's finished, people usually stretch in between while they're waiting for their teammates to be done. And when it's nice like this, we stay up high as much as we can and either running down from town towards the airport or, you know, doing bigger loops places. But typically Sundays I love because it's just a long run in the morning and then relaxing the rest of the day. And today's ultra later this afternoon. So, um, you know, just trying to take this recovery time seriously and and know um, that soon I'm going to be putting in miles again because Chicago isn't too far away. So, um, yeah, typically I get up in the morning and I have um, breakfast. I always have coffee. And then kind of depending on my training or what I'm doing, breakfast can be anything from a Go Macro Bar, which is one of my sponsors, to steel cut oatmeal, um, and then I also love having rice cakes with a mixture of, like, protein powder and berries, and that's kind of one of my go-to things that I love to snack on. So um, pretty simple and fairly repetitive. I try to switch up things as far as, you know, what I eat for dinner. But breakfast and lunch can be fairly similar just because, you know, I'm running in between then, and I want to do what's going to make me you know, feel good for running, so. For sure. Now, one of my final questions for you is, you hit the A qualifying standard for the 2016 U.S. Olympic Marathon Trials at Grand yeah. Marathon. So what is your goal for Chicago? I mean, you already made the A standard. What what more could you want? <laughs> yeah. Well, I think, you know, I've, I've only raced one marathon now, and, and not even – I did race it, but it also just felt like I was running it to my fitness level, if that makes sense. I am really looking forward to learning more about the marathon and figuring it out so that I can successfully race it. And I felt like I, when I raced the US 25K, you know, this um, past May, that for the first time, I felt like I was racing a longer distance rather than just running it, meaning I took a gamble with running some faster miles, which would maybe be a pace I couldn't hold the whole time. But 
I was competing with different women. And so I think ultimately, you know, learning how I can, you know, race. I want to be at a fitness level where I can race the marathon even more than I did. So I definitely have some some goals. I mean, I think my next my next big goal is to be under, you know, 230, but I think maybe another next step will be under, you know, 233. And so just, you know, baby steps. Sometimes it's half baby steps. Sometimes it's bigger. I don't know. You know, the cool thing about the marathon is all courses are different, and it's a long distance, so anything can happen. You know, it it could be really warm in Chicago, or it could be cold. So we'll see what the weather is like. Um, and, yeah, so just learning how to how to figure out the race better. And um, sometimes I struggle taking fluids because, I have the bladder size of a pea, and so I I ran the entire marathon at Grandma's having to pee the whole time, and I was like, man, if I would have been drug tested after this marathon, I would have been in and out of there so quick because I crossed the line and had to pee. But, um, yeah, figuring out, you know, better ways for nutrition, there's always improvements you can make. So, um, but... Just like my race at Grandma's, I wanted to have a positive experience so that I would be motivated to come back and race another one. And so same thing with Chicago, to to be smart and to have a healthy build-up and to run the best to my potential that I can that day. So, Well, we're really excited to support you on that journey. It'll be great to see what evolves over the next couple months of your training. Yeah, thanks so much. So to close up our interview, I have a few fun either-or questions. Okay. Apples or oranges? Oranges. Early bird or night owl? Oh, my goodness, early bird. If I could get everything done in the morning, like before noon, that would be ideal. (laughs) Smoothies or juices? I would say... Oh, that's tough. Maybe juices, like a good green juice is always pretty tasty. Mountains or oceans? Oh, mountains, by far. Great. Thank you so much, Lauren, for sharing your story and all things running on the Running on Own podcast. Thanks so much. Um, thanks for listening to episode 54 of the Running on Om podcast with Laura Jimison, professional runner for the Mammoth Track Club. If you would like to connect with Lauren in the Running on Om community, you can find us on runningonom.com, Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. The Running on Om podcast needs your help to continue growing and reaching more listeners. If you've just tuned into the podcast, please be sure to like us on Facebook and consider leaving a review on iTunes. I'm always open to feedback or questions, and I really encourage you to leave them on the Running on Om Facebook page. This is your host, Julia Hanlon, and I hope you have a beautiful day.